The presenting sponsor of Moon Tower Soccer is FVF Law. To find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm, you can visit FVF.law. Thanks for listening to Moon Tower Soccer. This week, we're going to look back at our expectations for Austin FC's first season and maybe discuss whether or not those expectations were met. We'll also have Phil West on, the incorrigible uncle of Moon Tower Soccer, and we're going to talk about uh, the playoffs and then some of the predictions we made earlier in the season. My name is Landon Cottom. I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley. Hey, everybody. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. And I think just before we get into get into that we do have a little bit of austin fc news to cover so like let's just get we're gonna wax poetic a lot on this show and we're gonna we're gonna (laughs) laugh about how wrong we were so i feel like let's let's go ahead and start with some of the hard-hitting austin fc news that people have come to know and expect from moon tower soccer yeah so i think the biggest piece of news this week is matt beasler retires so we maybe speculated about that a little bit on the last show and uh ended up being true so he's gonna hang up his boots uh after 13 seasons in MLS, he had, I think, 368 total appearances in MLS. 348 of those were for Sporting Kansas City, of course, and then 20 for Austin. Played in the 2014 World Cup with the United States national team. Uh, he's been in the league so long that whenever he joined Kansas City, they were called the Wizards and kind of went through their their uh, renaissance and their their rebrand and kind of restructuring of that team and Kansas City became kind of the model for that second generation of MLS and so he's seen a lot of this league uh has had an amazing career we're very lucky to have had him even if it was for just one season but um what do we think we're going to see next from Matt Beasler I know we've seen some Austin fans hoping or maybe asking if if he would maybe stick around and have a coaching role for Austin but I don't know that that's very likely do you No I don't I don't think that it is at all I mean I think like you said he was such an integral part of the Kansas City franchise um you know made his home there for so long I have to think that he goes back up there and coaches um you know supports the academy he's an ambassador for the club I'm not sure what it is but I think his future is back in Kansas City yeah, absolutely. He's an absolute legend there. Uh, I think Benny Failhaber is working in their academy right now, and so it seems like it would be a good fit. I'm not sure if if coaching is what he wants to do, but um, Sporting Kansas City has been his life, and so I would be very surprised if he didn't end up involved in that organization in one way or another. Uh, one other little piece of news that we might dip into again later on in a future show, but Claudio Reyna did an interview with Jeff Reuter for The Athletic, just kind of looking back at Austin's season and looking forward at what they needed to change. There's one line that I wanted to pick out and highlight here. If there is any doubt about whether or not Josh Wolf was going to be the head coach for Austin FC next year, here's a direct quote from Claudio Reyna. Mm-hmm. Quote, we believe in him. He's absolutely going to be back next year. So we kind of expected that anyway. But if there were any questions, Claudio has squashed those. Yeah, that was pretty darn direct for sure. Um, in that article. Yeah, you know, another thing, just back on the Beezer deal. Um, Claudio in that same interview was asked by Reuter about uh, Beezler and, um, you know, said that he was definitely not expecting it to be a one-year deal. And really that it's this sort of this injury in this career that's, uh, that led to this outcome because he asked him, did, did you have the sense it was, that was one year originally? And he said, we, uh, 
didn't expect that, but we respect we um respect his decision, which puts you know I think puts the whole franchise in an interesting place on how does how the club move forward in terms of replacing Beasler and and where do we go from here? Right, yeah. So that's a, a big hole to fill for sure. But um, I guess bright side is Beasler was on pretty high money. As far as salary goes, we could replace him with a very good center back for probably less money salary wise than he was making transfer fees, a different thing if we have to end up buying somebody, but um, it does open up a big chunk of our salary budget to, to use on another center back or in other spots on the roster. Very true. All right. Um, the next bit we want to talk about is free agent list came out. So Free agency is kind of a strange thing in MLS. Last season, they ended up opening it up a bit to where there actually are a lot more true free agents. Before, if your contract ran out, you couldn't necessarily just go and play for whatever team you wanted to. You had to go into, is it the re-entry draft? Is that the mechanism that you would have to go through? I think it's what you have to go through first, right? Yeah. Uh, But if you're a true free agent, you do not have to. And so uh, we didn't have any out-and-out free agents. All of our guys, on Austin's team anyway, all had an option, So, which means that if the club wanted to bring them back, they could. All they have to do is say the word, and they're back for a year. But we had four guys in that situation, being Alex Ring, Kakutamane, Aaron Schoenfeld, and Ben Sweat. So all of them, if Austin wants them back, they say the word, and they're back on the team. But if they don't, They can let them walk and they can essentially go play for whatever team they want. Out of these four guys, who are the ones that you expect to see back and who are the ones that you really want to see back? I think the first one's easy. I mean, Ring, I think, is kind of a no-brainer. He's He was open about that, right? He talked about wanting to be back in his last interview. Um, I think even before we necessarily knew that he was a restricted free agent. So definitely Ring. And I would say definitely Ben Sweat. I feel like we saw enough out of him in his one game in, in 20 minutes. And I don't think he makes a ton of money. Um, uh, like two, get, 250 or something like that. So it's not yeah. a lot. And we've got, we've got holes to fill all over the roster. And I feel like having a guy like Ben sweat at two two fifty or whatever the option is going to be, is like a pretty solid, smart choice. It allows us to focus elsewhere in the roster build. Yeah. I 100% agree. I, I want Ben sweat back on this team. He seems to be a good team guy. Uh, probably wouldn't be super upset about splitting time or maybe playing second fiddle to Jean Kolmanich. Um, But we've seen Kolmanich still has some growing to do as well. So having a veteran on the team like Ben Sweat, even though he's not a world beater, he's a, he's a solid MLS player. And I'd be, especially at the money he's at, I'd be more than happy to have him back next season. So I hope they do pick up that option on him. So how about the other two guys? And I don't remember what we said last week so on, on like whether we hope they were back or not. Well, I know what we said about Kakuta Mane, so I don't think we necessarily need to rehash that. But how, how about Aaron Schoenfeld? Yeah, Aaron Schoenfeld. I had him on the list of that I would like for him to come back. Um, I've actually, I don't think I've even told you this, Jeremiah, but I received some information over the last week that uh, so, somebody who had spoken to him directly that made it sound like he might not play anymore. So he might be kind of in a Beasler situation. He, he may not come back. So uh, whether or not we want him to come back or not, it may not be an option at this point. 
All right. Do you want to add anything on Mane or you think we said our piece on that last week? No, I don't. <laughs> I, I love Kakuta. Seems like a great guy. I don't want him on the team anymore. I'm sorry. I think that, I think that's, I would agree with that too. Um, and you know, another name that we saw sort of on the list that everybody was excited about was Aaron Long. Um, but he's not really an option, is he? Yeah. So whenever all these conversations started, this list hadn't been released yet. And a lot of people, I mean, the the rumor was that he was going to be a free agent, but it's not entirely true. He's also on a one-year option. So if New York Red Bulls want to pick up that option, they just do it and they have him for another year. And so that being the case, uh, there was a lot of interest from Europe in Aaron Long over the last couple of years. If they want to get rid of him, I imagine they sell him at a discounted price to Europe as opposed to, uh, like, I don't know that an MLS team would be able to give the kind of money that they would be happy with because they were receiving bids for like five to $8 million for Aaron Long just a year ago or so. And so I don't think they're going to let him go for a million in Tam or whatever. Like it's not going to happen. Um, so I think it's very unlikely that if Aaron Long doesn't play for the New York Red Bulls, I don't know that he's going to play for another MLS team instead. I think if he leaves, it's going to be somewhere abroad. All right. Do you want to get into, let's get into some predictions and questions. All right. Here. Yeah. So we just kind of had like a little hodgepodge list here, um, which we'll jump into that list. But one really good guide that I was using to to find these questions was an episode we released on March 30th of this year. And we had Joe Lowry, who's uh, one of the co-hosts on Total Soccer Show. He's the main host on MLS Assist and then uh, writes for MLSsoccer.com, writes some for The Athletic. Really smart dude. We had him on the show. And it was during the preseason. So we had seen a little bit of the team and kind of knew, like the team was starting to shape up a little bit. But we just kind of went through and did a season preview with Joe and there's a lot of really good questions kind of placing where our minds were. And so I think it'd be fun to kind of go back and, and look back at some of those questions. So the first one that I have here is, uh, should we be concerned about our starting keeper, Andrew Tarbell? Um, and so that one kind of shook out to be a little different than we thought it would because, not long after that, we found out Brad Stuver was our goalkeeper, and that actually he's pretty damn good. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm open to admitting I was wrong about that. Like, I really did not believe that that was an open competition, and I really thought that uh, that Tarbell was the guy, and that Josh was just saying that to keep Tarbell motivated. So I'm very happy to have been wrong in that moment about what I thought, and super happy to see what Brad Stuver did during the season. So I said during that interview with Joe that I I did think it would be a true competition, but it was not because I thought Brad Stuver was so good. It was because I had questions about Andrew Tarbell. So um, yeah, maybe a little column A, a little column B, but that was one that we definitely got big time wrong. Uh, something else we talked about with Joe was whether or not we would see Nick Lima in kind of that tucked in fullback role that we saw him play with the national team that like Pep Guardiola has used with his fullbacks where they, instead of overlapping on the outside, they'd move into the inside and kind of become a midfielder. And like Joe Lowry was really high on that idea. And I was curious if we saw it. We haven't seen that at all, really. Like we've seen midfield, like our fullbacks kind of 
tuck in further up the pitch as they've just kind of swapped places with wingers, but it's never been a thing where they're like tucking in and playing midfield essentially. So that was a thing that, uh, yeah, Wolf didn't implement from, from the former Burhalter system there. Uh, speaking one, of Matt, I was going to say Matt Beasler. Speaking of Matt Beasler, we talked about him too. And the question was, did he, does he have enough left in the tank to be a full-time starter? Yeah, and this is, uh, I, I'm not sure what the answer is because he played and started in 20 games for Austin FC, essentially started every game that he was there for. Missed one because he had a baby, right? And then the next game he missed was because he was out for that concussion, I believe. So, uh, I mean, the answer is kind of like he kind of had enough left in the tank because he played more games than almost anybody on the team. But then this uh, injury that has kind of left him out for the rest of the season and caused him to retire. So uh, did he have enough left in the tank? Do you think without that concussion that he would have been able to finish the season strong and then maybe play another season? I was pleasantly surprised by what we got out of him. You know, I think we had some serious reservations about the center backs. And once he was out, they were clearly well-founded. But um, I cannot criticize at all the the way he played for us and what he brought to the team. And he he never looked gassed in, in a way that some of the other guys did. So, I mean, I think he, he could have done it through this season at least. Yeah, it, was, it never seemed a matter of, like, fitness. He was slow, but he wasn't just, like, dead tired ever, it didn't seem like. He never got slower. He was just Matt Beasler's <laughs> speed all the time. Uh, another big question that kind of made me laugh was in the preseason, Wolf had been playing Cecilia at one of those like dual 10, dual eight positions. And so the big question for us all preseason was, is Cecilia going to play on the wing or is he going to play at the 10? And the answer ended up being neither. He's going to play striker because you don't have any others. <laughs> Yeah, did he end up starting more games at striker than anybody else? Probably, right? Absolutely, yeah. He had yeah. to. He had to because Hosen played in five games and Gallagher was swapping in and out for him then. And then for not long after that, it was Cecilio at, at the nine pretty much every game. Yeah, because it was a long time. I forget how long the gap was between when we signed Gita and when Gita finally appeared because he didn't end up playing in that many games. So yeah, that was a that was an unexpected turn of events for sure. So looking back at, at all of this, it really made me think of how much we were missing all season and like how bad of a hand this team got dealt with injuries. So talking about Cecilio playing in n neither of the positions we were expecting him to all season. And then also looking at the, like the depth of the team. So a thing that I remember saying a lot in preseason and during this roster build is that Austin FC had set a high floor that the, the floor was high, that they weren't going to be the worst team in the league because of the way they built this roster and that the, the ceiling would be determined by their DP signings and how good those guys did. But with all these MLS veterans that they signed, that they weren't going to be terrible. And I was kind of like laughing at myself not too long ago, but looking back, it, we didn't get to see any of those guys. Like we might've had a high floor with guys like Ulysses Segura, with guys like Ben Sweat, with Aaron Schoenfeld, with just these guys who have been proven guys to be able to step into an MLS team and maybe not be amazing, but not be terrible either and just play some minutes for you. And we missed out on all of these guys all season. 
And so I, I, I think it's like maybe was still a decent prediction that just got like that floor got taken out from under us with all these injuries. And I think it's, we kind of got used to it over the course of the season and stopped talking about it, but it really was a, a big deal to be missing those guys for the whole year. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, I mean, it wasn't just us, which is like what makes me, you know, feel that it wasn't just like us being Faraday glasses, you know, homers or whatever. But, you know, a lot of people thought that, you know, I mean, I remember Tom Bogert talking about us having a high, was it a high floor? Yeah. High floor. Joe, Joe said that on that show, you know, I mean, we, we saw a lot of that all around the league that nobody expected, almost nobody expected us to finish as low as we did in the West early on. And so I have to think that part of that is just the hand we were dealt, like you said. Uh, so let's jump into some of the player acquisition periods when we were doing drafts. Uh, there were lots of player rumors. The first one, let's start off with the super draft. So everyone expected Austin FC with the number one pick to choose Philip Mayaka. And our expectation was that we should expect one and only one productive player out of the expansion draft. And we didn't pick Philip Mayaka, but I think the rest of it was right that we got one and only one productive player out of the super draft. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, per, and Pereira was, I mean, he was up and down, right? Cause he's 20 and he played like a 20 year old player who hadn't, you know, a, been professional skills, but I have to, it looks like he's got a fairly bright future too. Um, and so I think that that was definitely a hit out of the super draft. Yeah. And so looking back at Philip Mayaka, he's been playing the whole season with, uh, the what's Colorado's USL team Swi- called the switchbacks. Colorado's great switchbacks. Great name, by the way. But yes, <laughs> um, and I think a lot of people have pointed to that and been like, "Oh, we definitely made the right decision." By all accounts, Philip Mayaka is still like a pretty hot prospect, and they they do expect him to be a good player. Um, but I I think for what we were looking for, like I think Danny Pereira was a solid pick, and I'm I'm pretty happy with it. If nothing else, I just like Danny. Oh, he seems like a great guy. And he's, uh, <laughs> what do we see him just on Instagram this week? I've seen him at the Longhorns game and at the Austin Spurs uh, game a couple nights ago. So he's he's making his best like Austin life and fitting into the community. And and that is the difference between your first pick in the Super Draft playing for the first place team in the West or the 12th place team in the West, I think, is like how much game time you expect out of them in their first season. Yeah, so I think we could call the super draft somewhat of a success uh expansion draft i think we might feel a little bit differently about that so kind of our prediction there like expectations is that we could get one starter like one solid starter out of the expansion draft is a success uh but if you can get a few role players maybe two role players i think that's a solid draft as well what we ended up getting was essentially two players out of it so the picks were danny Houston, jared stroud brady scott who ended up going on loan all season and may go on loan again. Uh, Joe Corona, who ended up not signing for us and signing for Houston instead. And then Kamal Miller, who we traded for allocation money and a draft pick that turned into Freddie Kleeman, who didn't play all season. And Kamal Miller ended up having a pretty good a pretty good year this year. And a guy that probably we could have used uh, had we kept him. Uh, so 
I think that pick, because we got some allocation money out of it, I don't think that's as, like, that specific part of it is as terrible. The Kamal Miller thing is as terrible as as people make it out to be. But the draft overall, it's not great to get two, two players, one of which ended up being injured all season and wasn't great in the games he played in Danny Houston. The other one being Jared Stroud, who was also not amazing all season. I I think this was probably a failure, right? Yeah, I agree. I think it was the biggest mistake that we made in the roster build was this expansion draft. Um, and I and I don't know exactly why, but I was really disappointed in it overall. And I think you know, I mean, even it de- at the time, it depended a little bit on Joe Corona like signing and being decent, just like on that one day, right? Because I don't, Brady Scott was a surprise. Danny Houston's making a ton of money. Um, and it was a real gamble then. And then Jared Stroud is Jared Stroud, and he may. I'd assume he'll probably be exposed to the expansion draft again this year, but maybe yeah, will not get taken. So. But probably, I mean, I doubt he'll get selected. Yeah, and Joe Corona ended up not being much of a player for Houston this year, but it's not really the point, right? It's that you could have used that spot on someone else that you would have actually signed to your team. Right, and there were, there were some other players out there. We did that uh, show and article uh, both with, the Chris's with a uh, Wellhouse and, and, and Hague about who we would have taken. And there, I mean, there's some options still out there that I think probably would have been better than what we ended up with. Yeah. And like, I'm not going to say like all of those guys would have been options because as we mentioned on the last show, there's so much we don't know about contracts and, and all that kind of stuff, but surely at least one of those guys who was like playing or starting for another team was available that you could have brought in. So I don't know. Um, Another thing that we were speculating a lot about during the roster build was whether or not we would sign a big name Mexican player. And there were, I kind of forgot about this, but there are quite a few rumors, right? So Yeah, there were. I remember we did a we did an interview. We did that, that was another interview we did um with the oh, writer uh, with the writer. Tom Marshall. Yes, Tom Marshall, and talked about the potential Mexican players for the for the U.S. I think a couple of these, I mean, for the U.S., for Austin FC, and a couple of these, you know, there was some smoke around the rumors. Yeah, it seemed like it for, I think, for the Hector Moreno one. Hector Moreno was doing interviews with Glenn Davis on the radio about Austin FC. <laughs> yeah. And so and that was, one seems like it was legit. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, he talked about Austin. I think there was some like weird Twitter background or something on that too, right? Uh, I don't remember what okay. that one was. Uh, Miguel Ayun was in Austin. He made a trip to Austin last Christmas around then and was posting photos from a Target in Austin with his family. And so we're like, and then from like the trail of lights and stuff, it's like, oh, he's he's clearly here scouting out, like going to buy a house or something. He's he's going to come. Uh, and that, he was he was interacting on social. Remember, yeah. he was like talking to the Austin fans on social media too when he yeah. was up here Just trolling us. Uh, Paul Aguilar was the other one. That one didn't last as long as some of these others, I don't think. But then another one that, uh, it, we didn't get, I don't know how much we can talk about this, but there was a rumor and like a pretty strong and believable rumor that Austin FC was trying to sign Henry Martin and it fell through because he ended up re-signing with, uh, he plays for America, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, And that that rumor... That that rumor was like we we kind of we found out about it after the fact I think I don't think we ever proactively if I remember right, right we never like talked about it uh as in the in a potential uh, and we talked about it more as like this 
was a thing that we can credibly believe was an opportunity that we missed out on. Yeah. So a few opportunities there. I, I don't like, I think we talked about this, but I didn't think it was inevitable that Austin FC was going to have a Mexican player because I think Reyna is going to look at the roster build and take like value and quality above all. And there's not a lot of value in Mexican players playing in the United States. They're almost always going to be a little bit overpriced because of the, like the marketing boost that they're going to give an American team, especially a team in Texas. And so it seemed a little bit unlikely there, but uh, there's still time and there's, there's, we could still add a free agent or something in the off season or in the next few years. I think it would be great if we did get a Mexican player at some point, but uh, yeah, I, I wasn't super surprised that it didn't end up happening, even though there were, there were all these rumors. And there's an Austin specific, um, premium there too. Cause if I remember right, Anthony Precourt, like at the very first interview he did with anybody talked about wanting Chicharito, right? I don't even remember who that was with. Um, and I think the rumor we heard was that because the Mexicans, Mexican teams knew there was so much interest from Austin, even beyond just normally them understanding what the marketing value was like they were really trying to squeeze uh, Austin <laughs> FC for money. So I'm glad we didn't overpay. Right. And you're just, you're just going to look for the right player and the right chance and kind of go from there. Uh, so another thing I wanted to talk about was the jerseys. So I know we were all super excited to see them just because we we were excited for everything. Like everything was a first. Having looked at back at like having seen these jerseys for a whole season, how do you feel about them? And we can we can talk about them separately. How do you feel about the away jersey, the all white one? Well, good. I want to talk about them separately because I was not very excited about the all white <laughs> one. I still don't like the alt-white one, and I love the rumor that it's going to be replaced next year with something else. I just hope that something else is not the standard Adidas jersey that everybody else wears. Yeah, uh, I agree. I So whenever it came out, the, the white kit, I thought it would look really nice on the field, and I think it looks okay on the field, but after watching it over several games over the year, I'm kind of over it. Like I don't really like looking at it anymore. <laughs> Uh, but the home one, the home one is actually like grown on me a little more. I really dig it. I, I think it's really cool. Even though it is just like a basic Adidas template, the green and black just looks badass and I really enjoy it. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I like that one a lot. And I, w- I would like to see us stick with that one for a while. Um, and it even fits to somewhere in like the uh, Yeti cap that I think in some other game at the was it one of the last home games? Like the first 10,000 people came in and got a Yeti cap, but the Yeti cap has the same design as the home jersey. It's like alternating black and green, black and verde stripes. And then, yeah, I, so I was going to also, what do you think about the, what did you think about the, uh, all the training kits and thirds? Was there one that, one of those you liked? Um, I liked, there's like a black, uh, like warm up top, like a pullover type thing that I thought was sharp, but some of the other ones I didn't really care about but it was it's the ones that every team has like those gray warm-up tops that every team had i didn't really like those and i think there's some of the like are you talking about more like the one-off ones like the pride one yeah it was one of those that you really liked yeah uh i didn't so i think i would have liked some of those if they were like team specific but because every team in the league had them i didn't care about any of them yeah i don't i don't really the Pride one is probably the one that I like the best, but I still would have liked to seen the Austin version of the yeah. Pride one and not the MLS template version of it. 
We're never going to get that though. The, <laughs> oh, the, I know. <laughs> like you said before, the best we can hope for, and it seems like this is going to be the case is they'll kind of be on a two year run. So the, the home kits, the black and Verde kits will keep for next year and replace the away kit. And then the next year we'll have the same away kit and replace the home kit. That's from what I've heard. And from what I understand, that's kind of the, the schedule it's going to be. So we should have a new away kit probably soon, right? Like you would expect them to release it before the holiday season. I would, yeah, I would think so. I mean, if you're in the interest of, in the business of making money and I'm pretty sure they are, you would want to make that a gift. Yeah. Um, what about the stadium? So I think we were both fine with the stadium name being Q2 just because it was kind of generic. There's a lot of people who didn't feel that way and were disappointed. It wasn't Bucky's stadium or I don't know, Franklin stadium. I don't know what people wanted it, but it was, I think there was a lot of people with unrealistic expectations. Do we think people like it better now? How do you feel that the name is caught on and kind of settled into public sentiment? I feel like some of those people who said that they were, they never wanted to, they would never call it Q2 stadium and it'd always be, you know, McCalla place, yeah, McCalla place or whatever. Like, I think, I feel like those people have given it. I mean, Q2, I mean, it's, it's quick and easy to type. Like it's, even if some of the ones you like, like it's a lot, it's a lot simpler to type Q2 than Whataburger Stadium, right? Yeah. I mean, so <laughs> just practically, it's a good option. So yeah, I feel like that furor has died down and not something that we need to worry about um, anymore. Do you have a different opinion? No, I, I, it seems that people have accepted it okay. And I think it, it can always be, like McCalla can always be a nickname for it. And it's in, it's in the songs, like every game, the people in there singing about McCalla. And so... I think that'll always be an affectionate nickname, but I think Q2 is fine. I, as long as we're not uh, just something... Like Lower.com, for example. Lower.com <laughs> is horribly awful. Papa John's or like just an absolutely stupid name, then I'm fine. Q2 is just nothing to me, which is great. That's the best you can hope for. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of the... I mean, with the other teams in Texas, they have like... Uh, Toyota... Toyota. I mean, it's the most generic possible, like banks and car manufacturers. Everybody has. I mean, at least Q2 is not ever going to be confused for an NBA arena or Major League Baseball stadium or whatever. Like, it's, yeah, we're the only one of those. Absolutely. So, what about, like, I know that you, your boyhood club, LAFC, <laughs> you had another team. And I like, I like had some teams. I had like soft spots for other MLS teams. Cause I'd been really like dove into the league a few seasons ago and was trying to learn as much as I could about it. And I had my favorites. Like I had teams that I really like to watch. Has that changed for you? Like, wh- how do you feel about LAFC specifically now? Oh I mean, yeah, it has changed. I mean, I guess, you know, watching a random given game on a given night, like I, I want LAFC to win, but the passion I feel for that club is nothing like nothing like for Austin. And I would say that about, you know, not just, I mean, we've, we've mentioned on this show and other shows, like what a Liverpool fan I am. And I still am a huge Liverpool fan. And um, like, I'm happy to still have a team to follow during the off season, but it's still, it's like orders of magnitude different. It's like my interest in like how it affects my like everyday life um, in terms of like how Liverpool does and like how I feel about Austin FC. Yeah, so I, I've heard people talk about like having kids and how you had all this other stuff in your life that you thought was really important 
and that you cared a lot about and then you have kids and all that changes and like your focus kind of shifts. I don't have kids, but I imagine it's a little bit like that. There's like all these other things that I was really into and I really liked, but now pretty much only think about and care about Austin FC as far as soccer goes. And I, yeah, like you said, if I'm watching a game, I'll, I'll, I'll like, yeah, I want Kansas City to win this game or I want such and such to win this game, but I don't care about it very much. And yeah, just the, the difference in the interest is so great that, uh, I didn't really expect to care so little about some of these teams at this point. <laughs> I think that's, yeah, that's, um, and I'm glad it's the same, like with my, like I do have kids and like it's the same with my son. And it's one of the been the best things about this season is like, is how much Jackson's in Austin FC more than anything else, which has made this even better. And it's not, obviously the results weren't great. It's more like the people and the culture and all the friends we've made and the people listen to the show, like, all those like side aspects to it. And it keeps, it keeps you back to like, imagine how good this would be if we were actually good. Yeah. I, and I can't wait till that future comes. Cause like, it's kind of awesome now and we're kind of terrible. Yeah. So talking about that community and the, like the supporter culture, the home opener and just the supporter section in general, how did that match up to what your expectations were before the season started so that yeah the home opener was so good for so many reasons um one it was the first time that i had seen people in public for for a long time (laughs) right you know we got out and we walked around the stadium and ran into folks we hadn't seen in forever and people who were part of the movement since it started and you know friends from the community everything like that and it just um, blew me away. And this story that I tell people, I think I've told on this show is, so I have three seasons tickets and for the home opener, I talked to my two boys and I'm like, do you want to go? And my older son was like, yes, absolutely. Let's go do this daddy. And I told him it was going to be a long day. And then my, my younger son was like, well, I don't know. And I was like, maybe is a no at this point in time. Like there is no, like we're either all in and we're going to go crazy or we're just don't even try. And I'm really happy I made that choice because it was very, very, exciting and more than I probably more than I ever imagined. Yeah. And one thing that I kind of forgot about looking back at all of this is we didn't know if we would get to go to the first home game, right? Cause so many MLS games at the beginning of the season were playing with no fans or very limited fans. And so we were like praying for construction workers to slow down, right? <laughs> right. Like finish it slower so we can actually go to the game. And I think they ended up kind of working it out, maybe intentionally, maybe not to where they could have a full capacity for that first home game. And yeah, it ended up being a really special environment. And then, so let's, let's focus on the supporter section. It's been one of like, probably the best part about this season is the, the supporter culture that's, that we've gotten to show off that I think we all kind of knew was something special, but we didn't know what it was going to be. Is this bigger than what you thought it was going to be before the season started? I mean, for me, I think it was, I mean, there was, there were times not that long ago when I was wondering, like, are we just in a bubble? And it was, and you and I know 500 crazy people that are going to show up and, you know, we're going to be loud in that section, but, but you know that's it's but Austin but you know Austin is not really a soccer city and who knows if all the things are going to come to pass so yeah I mean I was I was concerned going into the season about whether all these things that we had talked about were really going to be 
you know, really going to be a thing or not? I mean, how did, how did you feel about it? What, what was your moment when you're like, oh, yeah, this is absolutely everything I thought it might be? I think I had several moments over the last two years, probably, where that bar got raised a little bit, where I was like, okay, I think Austin could support a soccer team. And then there was a certain moment where I was like, oh, I know they can support a soccer team. I think this could be like a pretty good supporter culture. And then that would get surpassed and it would get surpassed. And as we got to right before the beginning of the season, I was like, MLS doesn't know what's about to hit it. Like, this is going to be huge. And then, so I had high expectations and then that first game surpassed them. (laughs) And it was like even higher. And I was like, whoa, this is special. And like, it happened probably a couple more times throughout the season. And I think the, that last home game against Sporting Kansas City where we won big and it was cold and the stadium was packed and that, that supporters end was going crazy and the whole stadium was super and everything. Uh, it was just like a, a good like bow tied on it that like we're a terrible soccer team. We're still able to drum up this kind of support. And I'm just like so proud to have been whatever part of it that I have been just just to be able to be there to witness it all from the beginning was it's really special. And yeah, I think it's uh, pretty amazing what, what uh, we've all been able to do. Well, I mean, not everybody has their own mouse pad that you can buy on Amazon <laughs> with their own, with their own picture. But I think one of those moments for me that I, I just, just thought of uh, now was when everybody showed up on the Hill outside St. David's performance center for the preseason match, were, were you that? Were you one of the people that were there for that? I was out of town. No, I, I don't remember why I couldn't go, but I wasn't there. But yeah, when you know when you have a couple hundred people that want to show up and play drums and wave flags and pop smoke on a dirt hill for a, a glorified exhibition, you probably do have something special going on. Yeah. So talking about uh, like quirky moments like that, is there any other like favorite quirky moments from the season? So I have this one, and this goes back to this was an interview we had, but the Verde Keeper Kit video from um, <laughs> from Brad and Carrie, which is what thirty, were they I think it ended up making like thirty five parts to the series or something before something they like actually. That. I mean, it was insane, and the commitment to it. Um, it was also one of the first times that you know Brad Stuver was like a part of it and playing along with it. I'm like, oh, these players are also bought in this community, and we saw that yeah. throughout. We saw it with. Diego, we saw that with uh, Danny and I mean, a lot of other players are bought in the community, but that just that felt I felt like for me, like that solidified that connection between fans and players that, again, like I hadn't even thought about before we had a club on the field. Yeah, I'd always kind of like dreamed about like what these interactions with players would look like and all the fun stuff that would come from that. And that's a beautiful example of this weird thing that could have only happened like with this group of fans and with that player. And it like... Uh, yeah, it turned into this really beautiful moment. I think one of mine is going to be, and this is a deep cut that a lot of people may not know about, but Los Pringles. You know, yeah. you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, right? absolutely. It's the so, it's all the emojis that occupy my Slack. But yeah. it is essentially a cult that arose within Los Verdes due to a uh, I don't remember what company, General Mills, no, somebody else. Uh, some food maker manufacturer had a, a deal where if you bought like four cans of Pringles, you got a $50 gift card to the MLS store. And so a big group of Los Verdes figured out how to kind of game the system and were just getting a bunch of free jerseys essentially 
and started a cult praising uh, Julius Pringle. Julius, who, did you know? Do you know his name was Julius before this? I did not. Is it actually his name, or that something that? No, I think it really him? is. I, th- okay. I think his name actually is Julius. Yeah. Julius Pringle. So he's now San Julius, and he is the 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 figure that the people who are members of of this Pringles cult worship. But there's Pringles uh, paraphernalia at the games. If you look hard enough and it's just this really bizarre thing that like a just shows like the kind of cool, weird stuff that this community has done. And also just like a thing that I feel like maybe wouldn't have happened only in Austin, but Austin is one of the handful of MLS cities where this could have happened and gotten such a big following because I think there's like, 250 members in that one channel in the Los Verdes Slack. And so that's, that's one a of lot my of favorite weird things that's happened over the, the span of the season. Yeah, somehow I got a, a business card that only has like a picture of Julius Pringle and it says under his eye that I carry, <laughs> carry around now that I just picked up from somebody. And I wasn't even that much of a part of it, but I'm like, you know what? I love this. And it's that and it's like, what is it, Polio the chicken and like Paul the oh, alien yeah, and like all these quirky, all these quirky little things that make the Austin FC fan experience such an amazing experience. Absolutely. All right. Well, should we uh, go on to our interview with Phil, Jeremiah? Yeah. Let's go ahead and take a break and then talk to Phil. Yeah. So Phil West uh, from the Striker Texas, you all know and love him. We're gonna preview the MLS playoffs and then take a look back at some of the maybe good and not so good predictions we've made over the last year. So we'll be right back. Hang tight. Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by our friends at FVF Law, the official injury lawyers of Austin FC. FVF is a different kind of personal injury law firm dedicated to community, transparency, and client education. You can go to fvf.law to find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm and why understanding your legal options can dramatically change the outcome of a case. Once again, that's fvf.law. All right, we are back with uh, a man that you all likely know. It's uh, He's a writer for the Striker Texas. He's a contributor to MLSsoccer.com, and he is the incorrigible uncle of Moon Tower Soccer. It's Phil West. Phil, thanks for joining us. Hey, gentlemen. Anytime. Glad to be here. I love the playoffs and I love talking about the playoffs with you, too. So um, I'm, I'm super excited. And I'm also really excited that you guys have uh, kind of dialed in some some R-rated Moon Tower of late. Um, I like how you're dealing with the swear words. It's kind of a, <laughs> a, a gentle beep, you know, over over a single vowel. So you can pretty much tell exactly what it is. So um, I enjoy that. So. I moved maybe, that, I'll, maybe I'll let something loose. I don't know. I, I nudged that 1K tone just enough so that if you want to know what we said, you can. But if there are children in the car, that maybe they won't know what we said. Uh, and so we were listening back to some old episodes trying to like gauge what we wanted to talk about. And on the episode about a year ago before the MLS playoffs, that's when we gave you the title of Moon Tower Soccer's Incorrigible <laughs> Uncle. And so... That, that nickname is going on about a year now, but uh, let's jump into some of our predictions. We're going to revisit some predictions from last year uh, and then from earlier this year before the season started, and then we're going to jump in and make some new predictions for this year's MLS playoffs. But uh, before we jump in and start previewing the playoffs, let's get into those predictions from earlier this year. So in April 2021, we had Phil West on to 
preview the MLS season. He's a very knowledgeable man about MLS. And so therefore we kind of assumed he would make some really smart predictions. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, let's find out if that was true. So season predictions for the 2021 season. Uh, where will Austin FC finish? Do you? I guess you guys are looking at this document. I was going to ask if you remembered what you picked, but Phil West picked Austin in sixth place. Jeremiah made a controversial pick and picked them in seventh place. And I picked us outside of the playoff spot in eighth place. Uh, I know that we revisited that a while later, Jeremiah, and kind of got to change our guesses after a few games. Do you remember what you changed your, your prediction to? Yeah, I moved him from seventh to ninth, which apparently was also overly optimistic with the way it turned out. Yeah, I, I went from eighth to tenth. Uh, so still not right. <laughs> yeah, and I think in my head, I think I remember listening to that. And I said, yeah, I'd probably go ninth now. And and again, yeah, just wildly bullish and optimistic on Austin FC all season, you know, is, is maybe the way, you know, as as fans, as well as people who cover cover the team. But um yeah, I mean, certainly at times they they had the look of a fringe playoff team, and at many other times they did not, which <laughs> you have covered at Great Lake this year, as have we. So do uh, you think, like, in the way that we missed it, I feel like this that the ways that we picked were fairly consistent with, like, what a lot of other, like, a lot, non-national writers and stuff did, too. So do you, Phil, do you have, like, a single thing you would attribute us being that off to, homerism, the roster not being as good as we thought? Like, what do, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think I think maybe Hosen not kind of working out the way that he was at striker and everything just kind of collapsing as a result of that. I mean, again, also the injuries. I mean, that's that's been something that you know Wolf's kind of talked about throughout the season. And you know, call it what you will, is it an excuse or is it you know an actual logical explanation? But they they lost a lot of depth throughout the season, and and I think that really kind of hampered what they were trying to do. All right, let's move on to the next prediction, which was who's going to MLS Cup. So Phil. You picked Minnesota versus New England at the beginning of the season, which is still maybe not a terrible pick. Minnesota is a little bit, uh, maybe not quite the powerhouse we kind of expected them to be, but still doing quite well, especially with their form right now. And then New England is quite clearly the best team in the league. Uh, There's maybe some arguments for, for one or two other teams there, but... Uh, ran away with the supporter shield race and uh, have just looked really, really good all season. Uh, Jeremiah, you picked LAFC versus Orlando. <laughs> oh, sorry, and, and Phil picked Minnesota to win, mind you. There, right? Uh, yeah, Jer- I, may, I may change this a little bit. I have some thoughts on this in a second, but let's 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 talk about LAFC first, I guess. Yeah, we'll we'll get into making our actual <laughs> predictions. So you get a redo. If you want to save okay. save any of your points for that, but if you want to look back on this, then that's fair enough too. Uh, <laughs> Jeremiah, you picked LAFC versus Orlando and picked LAFC to win. LAFC finished uh, ninth in the West and did not make the playoffs, so you're already out of this one. That yeah, that was a that was a terrible selection I, again. One I don't feel like I was alone in, but yeah, I don't I don't have any good excuse for what ha- for what happened to LAFC and uh, you know Orlando has somehow been like decent and disappointing all year too. I think we could, we'll probably talk about that when we talk about first round matchups, but I don't feel very good about either of my picks making it very far. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I know that I think we all had Columbus and LAFC as one seeds. Um, and I've never been more delighted to be wrong. than It was about Columbus being the number one seed in the East. So I mean, I, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. I got away in this episode without actually making a pick 
uh, I didn't actually make a pick during that show. I kind of think, looking back, I kind of think I picked Columbus and Seattle. I don't remember exactly who my Western team was, but I kind of think I picked Columbus and Seattle, which uh, Columbus didn't make the playoffs. Seattle has actually been quite good for most of the year, but not for the reasons that we expected them to be, maybe. Um, and then, okay, let's jump into who will Austin's leading scorer be? Phil, you picked <laughs> uh, Danny Hooson. And then also in that same episode, she suggested that maybe it would be Sergio Aguero. <laughs> <laughs> that was wildly optimistic. Yeah, that was, that was a, those, those were two pretty crazy picks. Uh, uh, Jeremiah, turn out the way I thought it would. Jeremiah, you somehow didn't make a pick on this one. Uh, we're not, not doing so great at these predictions. So we'll have to hold ourselves a bit more accountable here in a second when we start making predictions. But my pick was, uh, my my prediction was that our leading scorer wasn't on the team yet. And so I was wrong. Our leading scorer ended up being, was it Cecilio tied with And someone? Diego. Cecilio, Cecilio and Diego, Diego, both. So to defend my pick, uh, Driussi ended up with five goals in 17 games. And so had he come in a little bit earlier in the summer, like we expected, he very well could have been our leading scorer. So I'm going to count that as a half a point for me. Yeah. I mean, that is exactly who you thought, right? And you had suggested that. It, Sebastian like, yeah, Juicy specifically. Yeah, there's this guy over at Senna <laughs> that nobody's heard of yet, but he's going to come on the team and he's going to be fantastic. Um, yeah. So going back to a second with the, the New England, Minnesota thing, I mean, um, New England, I knew they were going to have a good season, but I didn't know it was going to be an MLS points record supporter shield level season. Right. And they just every, everything clicked. Um, I mean, arena is a masterful MLS coach and just, you know, for Buchanan and, and Hill and Buxa and Bo and Turner to all the seasons they did. Um, that was, that was pretty incredible. Yeah. Minnesota, um, going back to that, remember my prediction was that um, them getting to MLS cup was based on the likelihood of Reynoso having an MVP caliber season. And he did play with the garlicky smoothness of Supreme Serrano, but the attackers around him <laughs> didn't necessarily have the zesty kick of Golden Habanero. Um, so that's that's kind of what's hampered them. And then also, as a kind of related thing, Adrian Heath is still a coach in MLS. So that might be a problem <laughs> that they run into uh, throughout these playoffs. Uh, all right, let's move into last year's playoffs just to give it a, a bit of context because last year was pretty wild. Like, Mm-hmm. I, I looking back at this, I kind of forgot that the season just died in the middle of it, like three or four games in the season just stopped because of the pandemic. And then we have mm-hmm. the craziness that was the MLS's back tournament. And then this bizarre season where all the teams didn't play all the same number of games and ended up being points per game to go into it. And so we all knew that it was just going to be crazy anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it was 18 teams in the playoffs. Yeah, too. that's enough. And another 10 thing. in the East. <laughs> yeah, so let's look back at some of our predictions. Uh, so I guess it would have been last November-ish as we were heading into the playoffs and we had you on for the preview show. Uh, we made some predictions there. So one, one thing that we asked on the show was, if the playoffs was just an exercise to get Toronto and Seattle in the final again, because was it two out of three years that that's what mm-hmm. it ended? Yeah. So not possible this year. Toronto was one of the worst teams in MLS. 
uh, Seattle still de- very much a possibility. So looking back at your at your predictions from last year, so Phil, you picked Philly, who was actually a pretty good pick last year. They ended they up losing, winners, yeah. losing to New England in the first round. So New England kind of turned it on at the end of the season, and that was mm-hmm. considered kind of an upset at the moment, I think. And yeah. then your other pick was Dallas, uh, who actually – over like overachieved in the playoffs, you think you could say lost to Seattle in the second round, um, and you picked Philly to win. So, uh, I think the I don't know how do you feel about those picks at this point in time. I mean, Philly were the Shield winners, and Curtin's yeah. a great coach. I mean, I felt really good about that. I mean, Dallas was kind of a flyer. Dallas was kind of a you know what weird things are going to happen on the west side of the bracket and. You know, nothing, nothing really weird happened there. I mean, the Sounders, well, actually, I mean, it was, it was kind of weird because Minnesota had that 2-0 lead in like the 70th, 75th minute of the Western Conference Finals. And then Sounders came back with three goals in the last 20 minutes and, and won the whole thing. So, you know, that was a little bit surprising. I mean, yeah, Seattle had a weird year. I mean, Seattle actually this year, if we call, um, started their first 13 games unbeaten. And they've actually kind of slowed down a little bit in the, the latter part of the season, you know, and ended up losing the uh, the one seed to the Raps, which is pretty strange in and of itself. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, still, um, I, don't, I don't think those were bad picks, right? So a Philly and Dallas. And then did did you, you picked Seattle and, you picked Seattle and. I picked Seattle who? and Philly. Okay. So. Yeah. And again, uh, Seattle, you know, Seattle made it, Philly. Um, just hit a weird bump in the playoffs as can happen sometimes in MLS. So yeah, that's respectable picks. And then again, Jeremiah, we didn't make him pick for some reason. So if, <laughs> you can never be wrong. If you, if you never make a prediction, you can never be wrong, which I think is what I was trying to live up to on that one. Um, so let's jump into this season. So Phil, can you tell us a little bit about just the general format of the playoffs? Because I think a lot of Austin fans Maybe last year was the first year they've watched the MLS playoffs, and it's going to be a little bit different. Yeah, I mean, last year was really confusing. They let extra teams in because it was a weird pandemic year, and that's how Inter-Miami became a playoff team. So this year it is much more normal. So your one seeds have a bye in the first round. Um, It's two versus seven, three versus six, four versus five. Then the four or five winner plays the one seed. Um, and then it's the two, three winner against the six, seven winner. Um, I don't think they reseed it. And then, yeah, you just go through, through the brackets that way. Um, and high, higher and, seed will always have home field advantage, correct? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and if new England wins throughout, um, I think I also had a prediction of a cold MLS final. And, um, if new England does maintain their home field and get to, um, MLS cup, they will host it at Gillette stadium, which will be super weird. Cause that's a massive NFL stadium. <laughs> Hopefully they will get fans to, to come and, and perhaps witness history. Cause, um, the Rebs have been to MLS cup, I think like five times and they have not won it ever. They've been kind of the, the Buffalo bills of MLS. <laughs> if you understand that reference. So decision day, uh, I guess, a couple of weeks ago or yeah, about a week and a half ago, there was a lot on the line. I think there were still 11 teams that were competing for playoff spots and only a few had actually cemented their, their spots. So it's 14 teams in the playoffs. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And there were essentially, essentially a few of those games ended up kind of being uh, de facto playoff games, like in particular Minnesota against the galaxy was one where, where, 
you know, again, you, there, there were ways they could get in, even if they lost, but, and they ended up drawing in Minnesota and winning and, uh, or getting a playoff spot rather. And the galaxy did not because RSL had like a magical stoppage time goal to, to beat SKC and to sneak into the playoffs. And again, yeah, we saw RSL like not that long ago against Austin look not that great against Austin. So, you know, that can happen. You can have teams that are kind of, fringe kind of on the margins like probably will not get very far in the playoffs still get in and they they get seattle in the first round so good luck to them yeah that might be challenging so what were some of the biggest surprises from decision day i would say rsl getting in was was a huge surprise um vancouver i i had expected kind of based on their form but they still you know again it's still they they needed to get a result um hosting Seattle to, to really help their chances. And they ended up doing that. They ended up drawing and we'll, we'll talk about them a little bit later, um, kind of more in depth, but, um, but that was fun to see. I would say another about- one would be Colorado ending in, ending up in first place at the end of the day. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, um, I got to do like the recent voting for all the stuff. And then even though arena was incredible and they had a, you know, supporter shield winning season. I still voted Fraser coach of the year because again, what he did with, with that squad, I mean, there's no like real star per se on the wraps, but um, you know, they got Barrios from Dallas. Um, you know, Jonathan Lewis has been really good. Um, Cole Bassett continues to be a um, great player, but they, they just kind of can do a lot of different things, both offensively and defensively. And, you know, again, yeah, I mean, you know, Den Verde, I mean, we saw them kind of at a, a low point in the season, but they managed to, to pull it together and uh, eat the number one seat out from both Seattle and SKC, who at times looked like during the season that they were going to be sure number ones coming out of the West. Were you going to say something, Jeremiah? Oh, yeah, I was going to add with Vancouver that I think the best thing about them is their coach. Um, mm-hmm. What's it, Sartini? Yeah, did you, uh, did Vanny you see Sartini. His po- yeah, Vanny Sartini, did you see his post-game quotes after they... Uh, Oh my God. Yeah. If they won, it was, what does he say? It's, it's good. We don't play for two weeks because tonight we're going to get so drunk. We wouldn't be able to play. And I'm so full of champagne after this match. I'm going to stay away from the microphone. I don't want anything to catch fire. So I really, you know, them making the playoffs and bringing him into my life. is something I really appreciated about this 2021 season. Yeah. I think I this week, that, man. Yeah. I think this week he did an interview while he was making lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's amazing. All right, so let's jump into some of our predictions for this year. So um, I think I think we can do this one first. So who is your dark horse team? Like who is a team that that is maybe not favored to go far? And it, what, let's let's define dark horse here. So I'd say someone that you think will get to like the conference finals, so like the semifinals of the whole tournament that is maybe not favored to do so. Okay. Um, I mean, where they are slotted right now, it's going to be really, really challenging for them to do this, but um, I'm going to say Atlanta. Um, And I may have a modest personal financial investment reflective of my belief that they are going to win MLS Cup. I don't know that they will quite do that, but, um, and they haven't exactly shown it against um, other playoff teams, but Joseph is beginning to look like Joseph. He had a really nice goal to beat Cincinnati. I've been getting a lot of teams score goals against Cincinnati because it was one of the nicer in the year. Um, Araujo has been a really good addition. Um, you know, the new coach they picked up has been uh, pretty outstanding. Um, came over from Sounders midway through um, the season and, you know, they could go far, but I mean, again, they've got to, they've got to go to NYCFC and play them. And then if they, 
manage to beat them in a very, very weird um, stadium in which to play. They have to go to uh, Foxborough and play the Reds. But, you know, they've got enough talent where they could really um, do some damage and, and it'd be it'd be fun to see them host MLS Cup. But, um, you know, as a five seed, that's, that's kind of challenging. Yeah, I think kind of the big X factor with them is how uh, if if I mean Joseph hasn't been Joseph all season, if Joseph is Joseph, then maybe this doesn't need to happen. But what they've relied on so far this season is they needed either Moreno or Barco to have a big game, and on nights when mm-hmm. that didn't happen, they didn't look good at all. And yeah, so I think they're capable if, though. Yeah, yeah, if if they can string it together and actually turn it on at the right time, I think Atlanta can go far. But I, and it's a big question mark because they haven't consistently done that all year. Uh, Jeremiah, do you have a dark horse pick? I am going to take the, uh, and this is going to be, I'll just go ahead and give away one of my uh, MLS Cup finalists, but I'm going to go with Portland all the way to the finals. Mm, okay. So beat Minnesota, beat Colorado on the road, because I just, Tough. like y'all say, I don't know that Colorado is like a, a traditional number one seed, and then, you know, we'll get another Cascadia Cup match in the, match in the semis, so I'll go with P- Portland to the final is my dark horse. I can see that. I wasn't sure if my pick counted as a dark horse, but since your dark horse is a four seed, (laughs) mine is a three (laughs) seed. Tell me if this is allowed, but I'm going to say Nashville as a dark horse. So they've, are they seated too high for that to count? I would say yes, except the revs had such a historic season that yeah, we can let that slide. So make your case, make your case for Nashville. Cause I mean, I think, yeah, I think they could certainly, there's a case for them to, to win MLS Cup, but okay. So I I think I think this qualifies it. If I were picking them to get to the the conference finals, I think they don't count. But I'm picking them to win it all. Okay, that's a dark. I course, think that right? counts. That counts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> all right. Um, let's and move. That's in. based on that's based on Mukhtar. That's based on the defense. Uh, just vibes. <laughs> <laughs> It's based on nothing. Uh, I'm 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 banking on Honey Mukhtar to have two assists and two goals in every playoff game, and for a Walker Zimmerman to destroy a man every playoff game. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, so I have a question. If yeah. so, if so, if they so let's say if they get all the way through, can they play the MLS Cup at home? And if so, who plays the Gibson Riff before the Tiff? <laughs> like, who's the biggest name that Nashville can get out there to play like a historic? Oh. pre-game guitar riff you could go big, swift big name oh my god okay i was gonna Taylor say swift you, you could go big name or you could go with soccer moses and do just like the hometown kid but i think taylor swift is the right answer that would be amazing to have taylor swift play the riff before the tiff and for the mls cup final oh my god i, I yeah okay so if nashville plays your pick portland they would Nashville would play at home. Nice. It's all happening. All right. We have, we're, we have we're, something to look forward to. We're manifesting this into being. It's going to happen. Um, okay. So, Phil West, who is your can't miss round one matchup? What's the best game of this first first? Well, I round? guess we're gonna. I guess we're gonna have variations on a theme here because I'm saying Nashville hosting Orlando. Because um, truly, I have no idea how this will finish. I mean, there's, you know, obviously Seattle RSL. I have a pretty good idea. Um, I'm not so sure of the other ones, but this one is like really wide open. And also um, on Halloween, um, 
actually Orlando was playing Nashville and um, had a stoppage time winner uh, that was taken away on bar. They said there was a foul in the buildup and that probably cost Orlando at least one home playoff match and they were pissed. So Orlando is, is pissed is like a really great starting point for any sort of MLS matchup. And then you throw, you throw Nashville in there who this just happened against. And yeah, I just, I just think that's going to be, um, you know, a, a good time for sure. Jeremiah, do you have one you're looking forward to? Uh, I'm going to go to to Phil's squad and see say that I'd like to see NYCFC in Atlanta. I think mm-hmm. NYCFC is better than I think a lot of people thought they were going to be. You know, Atlanta mm-hmm. continues to have this, just like you said, if they get it together at the right time, they have a ton of talent. I think it'll be a really great matchup. Yeah, that one could be end up being a lot of fun. I think given the right the right mix of ingredients, if the right ingredients show up, I guess I think that game could be a lot of fun. Yeah, and seeing Castellanos, who's this year's Golden Boot winner against Joseph, who, you know, obviously has had some some pretty historic seasons along the way and is coming back. I mean, I think just that that matchup is going to be pretty fascinating. And, you know, NYFC has had a pretty stout defense all season. And, um, yeah, that'll be that's going to be a lot of fun, too. I think the one that I'm looking at the most and was mainly because it was the hardest one for me to pick in my bracket to pick the winner is Portland, Minnesota. Uh, mm. these are two teams that have had quite a few ups and downs throughout the season. And, but both of them, when they show up and are on their a game are really, really good soccer teams. And so I think depending on which versions of those two teams show up on the night, uh, it could end up being a blowout or if both teams bring their a game, it could be an amazing game to watch. So I think that's the one I'm most interested to see the outcome of, but, uh, I think all three of those should be pretty fun, pretty fun matchups. Um, yeah, and so, then SKC Vancouver is going to be really wild too. And the thing is, SKC finished uh, losing their last three games. So, yeah, I think that I think they're pretty vulnerable. I mean, you know, obviously um, Children's Mercy Park is a really tough place to play, but you know, Vancouver. Um, and again, yeah, we'll talk about Vancouver in a little bit here um, as we get to one of the questions. But um, I think that'll be fun too. I mean, I think I think Seattle RSL might be the only dud out of those. And you know, those those games have a way of surprising you. I mean, RSL could could you know certainly upset seattle i don't think it's going to happen but you know that's kind of the magic of the um you know the mls playoffs is is they can just be so wide open so you just kind of hinted at this but i i think there's two ways to look at kind of there's like the head approach and the heart approach so we're going to go with heart approaches right now who do you want to win the mls cup like Head side, head apart. Like, what would be the best narrative for you, or what would bring you the most joy? Um, well, I mean, I I love Atlanta, and I would love to see Atlanta win it. And my wallet also says Atlanta, um, but, <laughs> but my heart definitely says Vancouver. And yeah, so so Jeremiah talked about Sartini. I mean, he is also been a, a magical force in my life this season. Um, just seeing Ryan Gauld and what he's been able to do. I mean, Vancouver's had very, very capable wingers and Brian White's had a really excellent season, but just to see kind of everything come together um, with Gauld has been just fantastic, you know, especially with people, you know, just kind of dogging on Vancouver as, oh, they're one of the worst teams in the league. All of a sudden you put a true number 10 into the mix and they, they just look completely transformed. The other kind of X factor here is that inexplicably my four-year-old daughter, like absolutely fell in love with the white caps 
like <laughs> midway through the season. Like we were just, we were um, snuggled up one Friday night. I was putting her to bed, um, watching a few minutes of, it was like, like a really terrible, like zero, zero draw against the Quakes. It's like kind of your consummate Friday night MLS match. Um, and this is before, you know, golf came over, but she suddenly loved them and um, started calling them the white cap Cougars. <laughs> which is basically just putting their name together with, with her school mascot. Um, but she just became obsessed and would just, you know, kind of ask me about them the whole season and, you know, occasionally we get glimpses of them. So, yeah, so we've been, we've been a Whitecaps Cougars household for, for quite a while now. All right. Go Whitecaps um, Cougars. Be fun to see that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that, they would definitely be a fun underdog story. Um, Jeremiah, do you have uh, a heart pick? Well, I think I made my heart pick when I made my pick in the West. And I mean, I still, I like Portland a lot. You know, I think like, I like the Wiley veteran team who's maybe getting it together for one last run. So that would be my, I'd love to see them like that group of guys go out together with a, with a MLS cup. I mean, that Espria goal a couple of weeks ago was just (laughs) phenomenal. Like instant goal of the year candidate, like nothing, nothing else comes close. Like you just award it to him right there. He's uh Mr. Playoffs, right? He could turn it yeah, on. Yeah, Mr. October. Yeah. yeah. Like he yeah, this is like this is this is his time of year. Like no other time of year is his time of year, but this is his time of year. We'll see if he can do it in November and December. Maybe maybe it's that specific month, but uh I I think there's a case to be made for the Colorado Rapids. It's they're the number one seed, but it doesn't feel like it, does it? Like I think people Mm-mm. are still kind of looking at them as an underdog even though they're the number one seed. I think that would be a nice story. You mentioned Robin Fraser earlier. I think it would be really cool to see this uh, kind of underdog team, a little bit of like an uh, Island of Misfit Toys kind of build. Like they were t- took distressed goods from other MLS teams and built this squad that has nobody that – is there anybody on that team that you could consider an MVP candidate? Nowhere oh. close, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I think it would be really cool to see a team like that just – kind of built on a, sho- a shoestring with uh, with a, this coach that is maybe still underrated by some people to, to go all the way. So I think that's going to be my heart pick is Colorado. Uh, let's move on to the head picks. Who do you think will actually win? And let, let's, so let's go with your finals matchup and who you think, or who you, yeah, who you think is going to win. Yeah. If, if doing this with you guys for a couple of years has taught me anything, it's, push the Sounders button until the Sounders button doesn't work anymore. <laughs> that's a really so good idea. Gonna, yeah. So I'm going to say Sounders and Revs. I mean, that that's, those are kind of the money picks. I mean, the Revs look built for the playoffs. I mean, the one, the one kind of drawback with them is that they played a lot of one goal games, but they've also won a lot of one goal games. So they, they kind of know how to do that. And, you know, Matt Turner as a goalkeeper is a really good place to start. And then the Sounders. Yeah. I mean, they have that, that 13 game I beat run to start the season and Joe Palos had an incredible season and, you know, Rui Diaz is Rui Diaz. And, you know, we all know too well. And, you know, even when you, you know, plug in five teenagers, they can beat teams. So they just, they just kind of find a way. And Schmetzer is another, um, yo, yeah, remarkably still kind of an underrated coach in some circles, but he clearly shows that he knows how to do it season after season. Yeah, they're real good. Jeremiah, who's your finals matchup? I will agree with Phil on New England. Um, and wait, are we doing these separately? I'll just say I think New England's going to beat Portland. I wasn't paying attention when you were asking the question. <laughs> uh, what's, what's your matchup and who you're picking to win? Okay, New England over Portland with New England winning for all the reasons that Phil talked about when he was talking about New England. And so I'll probably, you know, I feel like last season we all picked the Shield winner um, to win and we're wrong. And so we'll probably be wrong again this season. 
All right, so I'm looking at my bracket here, which I'm realizing now that I didn't do a head pick bracket. I did a heart pick bracket <laughs> and picked uh, I picked Sporting KC to upset Seattle in the second round and then to beat Colorado in the semis to go on to face Nashville in the final. I have Nashville beating New England in the semis and then winning MLS Cup at home. Wait. If it's With Taylor Swift. KC in Nashville, oh. who would be who would be the home seed there? Because it might change my answer. <laughs> well, they're both three seeds, right? Yeah, so. I think it would go to games one and then to goal differential. So games one would be the first tiebreaker? Yeah. Oh my God, you're going to make me do math right now. <laughs> let's, uh, let's see. Well, oh yeah, because Nashville, probably SKC, because Nashville... Nashville is 12-4 and 18 on the season. <laughs> 18 draws, <laughs> which, which is a little bit of a problem if you use that as a tiebreaker. And then, yeah, Kansas City 17-10 and 7. Oh, so, man. so it would okay. be, yeah, it'd be in CMP. So there would be no rip before the tip. So you would have to, you would have to hope for Portland, I guess, to, but <laughs> so Jeremiah yeah. would have to be right for that scenario to happen. Yeah, I don't think I picked a winner either. Um, I guess, yeah, I guess I would pick New, New England over Seattle in in that case yeah. to go head to head a lot of it having to do with the head to head i think the, that's smart um, money like, like you said they've won so many games by one goal this season but in the playoffs it's all you need right win by one yeah. just get through and i it seems like a team that's been able to grind out results all season and i think that's pretty smart smart money if you're a betting man uh all right I, that's all i have is there any other uh final points or predictions you wanted to make phil I mean, I just, I just want to emphasize how much fun <laughs> the playoffs are. I don't know that anything will top um, Orlando NYCFC last year, which was the absolute most ridiculous, like 15, 20 minutes of my life. Uh, my son was actually driving. I was following on a cell phone. We were coming back from Albuquerque um, where he was doing college last year. So we were like... Um, kind of approaching Fort Sumter, New Mexico. And miraculously, I got a cell phone signal. And this was the whole, like, um, Rodrigo Schlegel had to be a substitute goalkeeper because <laughs> Gaisi got, got a double yellow, I think it was. And um, then eventually, miraculously stopped a shot somehow. But it was just, like, 20 minutes of just complete glorious MLS fuckery. And it was just so much fun. So I don't know if we'll replicate this this year, but um, it's it's just astounding. It's 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 my favorite thing about MLS. I mean, I love so many things about MLS, but just that there is this kind of wild open playoff kind of system versus like, oh, we're top of the table and we have been for 20 weeks and we get the Premier League trophy. You know, this this to me is much more fun and much more um, wide open and just the the discourse around it is incredible. I'm I'm a big fan, obviously. Yeah, well, I I, I hope you're right. I hope it is half as much fun as that game was and uh it's mls it's going to be fun right so thanks so much for joining us phil we look forward to having you on uh hopefully in maybe in a couple of months we'll do another mls pre mls season preview for yeah, the be fun. early 2022 season starting in february but uh thanks again for coming on it's a pleasure as always absolutely all right 
we want to thank Phil one more time. Before we wrap up, we'd like to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to continue the conversation, come find us on Twitter at LVAHero87 and jbentley underscore ATX. And then if you want to read some more soccer news, you can go to the Striker Texas website. Jeremiah, what should folks look for over there? Yeah, I have two pieces that both written by Phil West that I want to talk about. One ties into the interview quite a bit, and that was his November 8th MLS Notebook article, which is about it being decision day for the ages. And then also, he did a good piece on the uh, U.S. national team performance against Mexico called This is Being Wrong About USMNT, I Don't Want to Be Right. So we'll link (laughs) to both of those in the show notes, but they're both very good and very Phil-style pieces. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening. Uh, Next week is Thanksgiving, and I am going to be in Ireland all week. So we are still trying to see if we can put together something to release next week. It may not happen. Stay tuned to social media. We'll let you know either way. But uh, we might be off next week. We might not be. In any case, we'll be back for sure the week after Thanksgiving on our normally scheduled Tuesday release. Until then, I'm Landon Cottom. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll catch you next time. When no one is around. Muchas gracias. Bye bye.